Thank you for joining our podcast from New Life Church Greenbrier. If you're joining us for the first time, we would love to know about it. Just text Greenbrier to 88000 and fill out one of our Connect cards. Now, let's listen in to today's message. Well, hey guys, we're going to jump back into our family series this morning. If you were with us last weekend, you know that we talked about the importance of fighting for your family. Um, I challenged the men pretty hard last week. Um, Don't worry, I'm going to challenge you pretty hard again today. But I do want to give you a little bit of a disclaimer. You're going to hear me say some things that many churches have gotten away from speaking on. Um, And I'm going to tell you the reason that is, is we believe that the opinions, the opinions of our culture should never be treated as a higher authority than the truth of the word of God. Would you guys agree with that? The other thing I want to tell you too is I realize that there is no such thing as a perfect family. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage. And as much as I hate to admit it, there's even no such thing as a perfect spouse even though mine's pretty close. I wasn't talking about me. Y'all thought I was talking about me. I wasn't talking about me. Today, we're going to talk about a godly marriage. And I realize that we have a lot of different families right here at this campus. We've got single moms and single dads that are doing the best job that they possibly can to raise their children. And I want you to know, as we walk through this series, we're going to cover some difficult topics. But Today, I believe it's important that we take some time to look at the marriage. You know, I was looking at a study from 2019. It was a census that was conducted. The state of Arkansas is the third highest state in divorce rate in the United States of America. Can you believe that? The third highest. According to a census from 2020, 39% of all marriages will end in divorce. I'm going to tell you what, those statistics alarm me, but there's only one person that can change those numbers, and that's God. And I just, I plead with you this morning to set aside anything that you've got going on right now and let God speak through this word to you. Can you do that for me? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for everything that you're doing here. But God, I believe that you have a special word for someone here today. So, Father, I pray that you anoint this message. God, that this is your message and not mine. Be with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, speaking of marriage, I have actually been married to my beautiful wife for almost 19 years now. We're about to celebrate an anniversary. Uh, We've been happily married for like 17 of those 19 years. Um, 18? 16? Oh, I'm just kidding. Um, Real quick, I'm going to do a survey. How many of you in this room have been married for at least 20 years, raise your hand. Okay, keep them up if you've been married at least 30 years. Wow, 40 years? 103, no, 50 years? (laughs) 50 years of marriage. You guys give it up for these families. (laughs) Right, y'all raise your hands back up for just a second. Identify this couple because you need to hit them up after service. They've got some information that they could pass along to you guys that uh, will be very valuable, I promise. Marriage can be difficult. Marriage takes work. You know, I I was joking about us being happily married for 17 years. There was a couple of years there where it was a little bit rocky. As a matter of fact, one of my wife's friends asked her, said, have you ever thought about leaving Tim? She said, leaving him, no, but I've really considered killing him several times. (laughs) 
I'm still here, praise Jesus. We made it through there, right? This week, I, um, I have wanted for years, and I don't know why, but I've wanted for years to take a mountain bike and hit one of our state parks. And I just ran into a friend of mine this week, and um, he said, hey, if you want to take that mountain bike, I was telling him, I was like, man, I want to get a mountain bike. I just think it would be fun. I think it would be, you know, I think it would be a lot of fun. And he said, well, take this one. He said, this button makes it harder to pedal. This make, button makes it easier to pedal. So I put it in the truck, and I took it home. I rode about two circles in the cul-de-sac. I'm like, I got this. It's riding a bike, right? So I put it back in my truck, and I go to Woolly Hollow State Park. I didn't take a map. I grabbed one half-empty bottle of water, and I hit the trails. I don't know if y'all realize this or not, but there's like trees on those trails. I mean, that trail is like this wide, and that bike's like this wide. And I got about halfway through it, and I stopped, and I looked around, and I said, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know how far I am from the truck. I don't know how to, they're going to helicopter me off the top of this mountain before the day's up. Well, I finally made it out. Uh, I'm in the market for a mountain bike. No broken ribs or anything. It was awesome. But I was thinking at that moment, I was like, you know, how many times do people start marriage like that? How many times do they go, you know what, it would be a really good idea for us to just get married. They don't get any counsel, they don't seek any direction, and then you get about six months into the trail, and all of a sudden you realize, hey, you know what, there's some trees along this trail. You know what, I'm probably going to need some help sooner or later. Think about it is... Many of us didn't start with the roadmap of marriage, but the good thing about it is, is we've caught the roadmap of marriage through God's word. Amen? Amen? If you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to do me a favor and turn to the book of Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. I realize that there may be some of you here today that you walked in the door and you feel like you're almost just walking through life in marriage. You almost feel like that your wife or your husband is just a roommate. There may be some of you here today that have been contemplating divorce for months. There may be some of you here today that you've already filed for divorce. I do want to say this, though. I don't care where you're at in this walk. God can perform a miracle in your marriage. But I believe there's a few secrets through the book of Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, that I want us to read. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen behind me. It says, And further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave him up his life for her, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself, as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any blemish, any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You see, a husband's deepest need 
is unconditional respect. A wife's deepest need is unconditional love. The problem is, is people get this wrong because they say, if she will respect me, then I'll show her the love that she's wanting. And the husbands say, well, if she would, if she would only do this, or she would only do that, I want to challenge you this morning. Guys, husbands, you're called by God to unconditionally love a disrespectful wife. Can I say that again? You are called by God to unconditionally love a disrespectful wife. Ladies, you're called by God to unconditionally respect an unloving husband. You must understand something, guys. The enemy hates your marriage. There's nothing he wants to do more than to destroy and tear apart what God has put together. Your marriage is a covenant with one another. And there's nothing he wants more than to tear that apart. There was something that it took me many years to understand. And this is kind of a cheesy diagram, but I want to put it up behind me. You know, for years, I used to pray that God would bring my wife and I together. God, bring my wife and I together. God, bring us closer together. Bring us together. But there's only one problem. Do you see what lies between the husband and the wife? Is the enemy. But when I finally comprehended and when I finally began to understand that my focus shouldn't be on my wife, my focus should be on Jesus. And when I begin to pray, God, bring me closer to you. God, reveal to me what it is that you want me to do. God, show me the love that you have for me. And as I begin to go after God and what it was that he was calling me for, my wife and I began to grow closer together. You can take that down now. So you say, well, how do I love my wife? So how do you love your wife? Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Ephesians 5.33 says, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Men, for us to love our wives, I call it the three C's. It's going to take communication, it's going to take commitment, and it's going to take consistency. Let's talk about the communication for just a moment. The thing about it is, is we get this all messed up because communication, we think, is speaking. Well, communication also includes listening. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know, statistically, scientifically, however you want to put it, it shows that a woman speaks 20,000 words per day. A man speaks 7,000 words per day. Now, let me tell you where I get in trouble. Typically on Sunday. Because I run through my 7,000 words and two 35-minute messages. I'm done. I'm mush the rest of the day. She hasn't even started on her 20,000. I got to listen. Listen. Somebody's laughing way too hard. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. The thing about it is, is the communication side is so important because if we don't work on our communication when things are going good, we're not going to know how to communicate when things go bad. You know, there's a quote from a marriage book that I read um, this week. It says, the lack of a healthy communication during conflict can kill the affection and intimacy in a marriage by removing the safe environment needed for honesty and vulnerability. Man, that's so good. You know, that's why baseball, football teams, that's the reason that they train. That's the reason that they practice. It's the reason the military trains daily. Is so when they get in the heat of battle... They know how to respond. They don't have to think about it. 
Well, guys, I don't know if you realize it or not, but we're in a battle for our family. We talked last week about the importance of standing up and fighting for our family. We need to work on our communication. That doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. You're going to do it daily. You know, according to the director of marriage ministry, as a gentleman that is on staff now for New Life Church, I asked him, I sent him a message, and I said, what is the three most common areas that you see marriages struggle in, where people, people struggle the most? He said there's three places that he sees. It's in finances, communication, and intimacy. Well, they all kind of tie together, but it comes back to the communication. First of all, if you don't communicate about your finances, it's going to cause problems. Well, if you're in a fight about your finances because you can't communicate, you can throw the third one out the door. You can forget that one. So where does it start? It needs to start with communication. How do we communicate with our spouse? How do we communicate with one another? Are we listening? Do we understand? Proverbs 16, 24 says, Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Shelly tells our boys all the time, you're going to get a lot more out of your dad with honey than you are with vinegar. Our words hurt. It's so important, guys, that our spouse feels valued. Can I say that again? Your wife needs to know that she's valued. Do you know the quickest way to devalue your wife is with your words? You can tear them down quicker than anywhere else with the words that you speak out of your mouth. Number two is commitment. You know, last week I challenged the men to take a stand, to stand up. And I don't know that there was a dad in the house or a husband in the house that didn't stand up and say, look, I'm willing to fight for my family. I'm here. I'm taking a stand. I'm committed to fighting for my family, whatever it takes. Ephesians 5, 23 through 26 says, For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life to her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Men want to underline, men that have never cracked a Bible before, they know this one short sentence in the word. Women, submit to your husbands. Am I right? They want to underline that. The one that they want to leave out, though, is the part where it says he gave up his life for her. With authority comes responsibility. Christ sacrificed and died for the church. So we can talk about submission all day, but let's talk about the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and I. He went all out. Now, I would say there's many men today that would say, I'll take a bullet for my wife. You probably would, but will you die to yourself? That's a different question. Leadership is all about putting others first. Leadership is the first to sacrifice, the first to serve, the first to have self-control, the first to pray, the first to say, I'm sorry. Guys, we have a problem with this sometimes. And it's the first to work hard. Our wives need and deserve commitment. They also must know that they have been chosen. And they got to know that you choose them. Now, we can, we can choose really easily when to go fishing, when the moon phase is right. <laughs> Can't we be? When to go hunting. But our wives need to know that we choose them over all of that. Does your wife know that you choose them over your kids? Our spouses deserve to be chosen by us. Number three, 
Consistency. Our wives need to feel secure. It's our job to work on that. Financial security to a woman is very important. Men, work. Work hard. It's important. You may not be doing the job that you want to do the rest of your life, but get your tail up and work. We got to work. We got to work hard. God calls us to work hard. We should always strive to have consistency in how we love our wives, not just when we want something, but at all times. Are we following the ways of the world or are we following the ways of God's word? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. We're going to blow it at times, men. Ladies, can you hear me? We're going to mess up at times. The consistency is getting right back up and doing it again. You say, well, how am I supposed to respect my husband? If we know that a man's greatest need is respect, how are we supposed to do that? The first one is support. A man naturally carries a weight, some more than others. But God has called us as men to be the spiritual leaders in our home. But for us to lead... We need your support. You also have to let your husband lead you. If you're someone that's always has to be in control, this is going to be difficult. It's something you're going to have to work on. Ephesians 5.24 says, As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. But let's clarify really quick what submission is not. Submission is not just agreeing. It's not passivity. It's not inferiority. It's not living in fear. No, that's not what it's saying at all. It's not going against God's will, and it's definitely not being a doormat. The Greek word of submit is actually hatasso, which means to place an order. My wife is a very strong personality. She is. But that's what makes her a great leader. That's what makes her good at what she does. God made her that way. She is a strong personality. But at the end of the day, my wife supports me. She honors me, and she follows me, sometimes even when she doesn't think she needs to follow me. But you see, every man wants his wife to say that. Every man wants to hear his wife say, listen, I trust you. I'm going to follow you if this is what you feel like God's calling our family to do. Every man wants to hear that until they hear it. They're like, oh, so you and the kids is all on me? <laughs> okay, what would you do? <laughs> But, man, we have to step up, and we have to be that spiritual leader. But I'm going to tell you what. If I know my wife is behind me, I can move mountains. If I know that I have her support, if I know that she's going to be there for me, no matter what, I can move anything. But if for one second I don't realize, I don't think that my wife supports me, it's hard for me to get out of bed in the mornings. I want you to think about that the way you support your husband. Does your husband know that you support him in everything that he does? Does he know that you're there for him? Number two is commitment and contentment, not commitment, contentment. First Timothy 6.6 6 says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. You know, deep in every man's need is for his wife to be happy, to be content. But when it's not good enough, 
They take it personally. There's a quote from our director of marriage ministry. He said, your spouse is a gift from God, not your enemy. Receive the gift and be thankful. Let me say that again. Your spouse is a gift from God, not your enemy. Receive the gift and be thankful. When Shelly and I first got married, I've told this story before, but we were in a place where we were capital B-R-O-K-E, Baroque. And Shelly had made a casserole, and she went to pull it out of the oven. It was in a glass casserole dish, and it burned her hand, and she dropped it, and it went everywhere. We didn't say a word. We both kind of stood there for a second, looked at each other, because we both knew, one, we didn't have anything else to cook, and two, we didn't have any money to go get anything else, and we were hungry. (laughs) There wasn't a word said. We scooped it up on a plate, we blessed it, and we ate it. I knew at that moment that we were going to make it. I knew at that moment, no matter what happened, as long as we were a team, that we could make it. The world is going to throw some storms at you. You're going to go some, through some times financially that's going to be difficult. It's going to happen. But as long as you're a team, contentment is huge. Number three, affirmation. Proverbs 10.21 says, The lips of the righteous nourish many. Most men actually like you to think that they don't care what anyone thinks. I can promise you this, they care about what you think. Your husband cares about what you think. I cringe when I hear a wife talking negatively or talking down to her husband. It just gives me a sick feeling in my gut. Proverbs 27, 15 through 16 says, A quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. There's a national study that was done with 400 men. They were given the option. They were given two options. They were given the choice between going through two different negative experiences. If they were forced to choose one of the following, which one would it be? The first one was to be left alone and unloved in the world. The second one was to feel inadequate and disrespected by everyone. It was an overwhelming response. 74% chose that they would rather be left alone and unloved in the world than to be disrespected. This doesn't mean that they don't need to be loved. It just means that they need to be respected more than anything. This is how deep and how important respect is to a man's soul. You know, as you guys know, marriage and family are very important to us here. In fact, it's part of our vision for our campus is to help focus on that. Pastor Adam and I went a few weeks back and we sat down and we had a meeting with a gentleman. He's the director of marriage ministry for the state of Arkansas for New Life Church. He just came on staff not too long ago. And we sat down and we started looking at a plan for our campus. What can we do to ramp up this ministry? What can we do to be a better support for our campus and for you guys? And that's what we're looking at. We're seeing and praying through what does that look like? What does that team, what does that pastoral team look like 
for our campus for marriage ministry. But I want to tell you this. There is no amount of counseling. There's no self-help book. There's no person you can talk to that can change your marriage unless you've got Christ in the center of it. We have got to take a stand, church, to stop listening to the world and stop focusing on what the culture of the world tries to tell us that a marriage is supposed to look like. What the culture of intimate, the world, what, what the world has tried, twisted intimacy into. Oh, and look at what God's word tells us. Listen, there was a time when if you would have asked me if I thought my marriage was going to make it six more months, I'd have told you no. If you'd have asked my wife, she'd have told you the same thing. Now, we had people around us that loved us and supported us. This is a long time ago. This wasn't last week, by the way. We've been married almost 20 years. But I watched God move in and change me. I tell people all the time, we do a lot of marriage counseling, coaching, I guess is a better way to put it, with different couples. And I tell people all the time, the only person that you're going to change is yourself. The only person you can work on is yourself. So if we know that a man's greatest need is respect and a woman's greatest need is love, and you are waiting until your spouse loves you before you respect them or before they respect them before you love them, you're going to stay down here. You're going to stay at two completely different ends. And that's exactly where the enemy wants you to be. But I'll say this. If you'll release whatever it is from your past and give it to Christ and start focusing on your relationship with him, watch the miracle begin to happen. I can speak on this topic from experience. If you ask me, do I believe that God does miracles? Absolutely. How do I know? I'm standing before you today with my wife as a pastor. I watched God completely transform my heart, my marriage, our life. And I'll tell you something else too. And this is just from my heart, guys. None of this is in my notes. But you know the first ones that feel it when there's conflict in the home are your kids. Your kids. So if you say you don't, you don't want to fight for it, you don't want to fight for your marriage, you fought enough, do it for your kids. Our son picked up on it. We had a school teacher come to us and say, your son is pulling his hair out. It wasn't a teacher, it was a daycare worker. I looked at my wife. Something's got to change. We were trying so hard to do it on our own that we were getting further apart. Now, we had a relationship with Christ. But for whatever reason, when it came to our marriage, we were trying to control it. We were trying to take the next step. But it got to a place where we finally said, okay, 
God, I surrender this to you. Your will be done. And we just started focusing on Christ. And before we know it, we start coming together. Before we know it, we start having better communication around finances. Before we know it, we start, the intimacy begins to come back. And before we know it, the respect begins to come back. And before we know it, she begins to feel loved again. The only thing that changed was we turned our eyes to Jesus. I didn't plan that worship song this morning. Our worship team put that together. They didn't see my message, but isn't it cool how God works? This morning, if you're here, and you'd say, you know what, Tim? My marriage is struggling. I need help. Our marriage is in a bad place. God can do that. If there was infidelity in your relationship, God can heal your marriage. If there's been hatred in words, God can heal that. God can take our messed up junk and he can create something beautiful. And then he not only can do that, but he can take it and use it as an example for the next family and the next family and the next family and the next family. But you have to make the decision. You have to decide. There's no message. There's no counselor. There's no self-help book. All those things are great and all those things help. But the first step, church, is making a decision to turn back to him. So I'm going to ask everyone in this room, please bow your heads. No one looking around. Listen, if you're in a place that maybe your marriage didn't work out, you've been divorced for six months, a year, or whatever, I just speak against any condemnation right now. That is not of God. I am speaking to the couples that are married in this house right now. And I'm also speaking to those that are considering getting married. Because if you'll put some of these basic principles in place, you'll see that it makes a difference. But if you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what, I, I don't know if our marriage will make it six months. If you're here this morning and you say, I don't know what to do. We've tried and we've tried and we've tried and we've met with people. We've been to counselors. We've, we've met with different ones. I've prayed about it. But I just don't feel like there's any hope. Let me promise you this morning that there is hope. So with no one looking around, please nobody get up for just a second. I know there's probably people that are tempted to step, get up and walk out of this room and use the restroom. Please don't for just a moment. I'm asking you, be respectful. If your marriage is in a great place right now, I want you to start to pray right now. But I want to ask you a question. If you're here and you say you need God to show up in your marriage, I want to pray for you. So with no one looking around, I want you to slip your hand up just where I can see you. Keep it up till I see it. Yes, sir, I got you. Yes, ma'am, I got you. Yes, sir, I got you. Yes, ma'am, I got you. Keep them up until I see you. Yes, sir, I got you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Keep them up. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Okay, you can put your hands down. Yes, sir. I see you in the back. I never want to leave here on a Sunday without giving you the opportunity 
to either make the decision to invite Christ into your life for the first time or rededicate your life to Christ. So if you're here this morning and you've never made that personal decision to invite him into your life to forgive you of your sins, that's going to be step one. He will enter in your marriage. He will enter into whatever's going on. But the first thing you have to do is just repent of your sins and ask him to forgive you. So if that's you and you've never made a decision or if you say it's time to rededicate your life this morning, would you raise your hand? I want to give someone the opportunity today. No one looking around. Anyone? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. Yes, ma'am, I got you. Yes, I got you. Anyone else? We're in no hurry. Father, I thank you so much for the young lady that made the decision today to either invite you into her life for the first time or even rededicate her life. I don't know the decision, Father, but you do. And God, I ask right now, she just prays with me, say, Father, forgive me of my sins. From this day forward, I decided to follow you. I'm not going to look back. I'm leaving the past in the past, but Father, I'm focused on you and what it is that you have for me. Father, for everyone else that raised their hand and said, you know what, they need you in their marriage. God, once again, I don't know where they're at. It may just be that they're at a crossroads, that they have to make some difficult decisions. It may be that they've been struggling for a long time and they feel like that There's no hope. So God, right now, I pray that you move in. Father, you soften the hearts of each person. God, I pray that the wives are able to allow their husbands to lead spiritually. God, I pray that the husbands step up as the spiritual leaders in the home and lead their family as they're called to lead. God, I pray that Husbands begin to love their spouse the way that they, they're called to love their wife. God, I pray that they're able to love them and that their wife knows that. God, I pray that the wives begin to respect and honor their husbands in the home. They honor them in front of others. They honor them when they're with other friends. And they honor them even when it's just the two of them. Even if they don't deserve it. Because God, we know that we don't deserve the forgiveness that you've given us. Father, I am believing that marriages can be healed today. But there has to be a decision. There has to be a decision that there's no looking back. And that they're going to move forward and they're going to focus on you. Father, I pray that their desire to get into your word and to spend time with you just grows. God, I pray that husbands and wives begin to pray together. That they begin to pray with their kids As awkward as the enemy will try to make it, I speak against it, Father, and I just pray that you give them that courage, even if it's as simple as just saying, Father, protect my family. God, let it start in the home. Let it be with every couple that is in this room. It is in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Can you guys give God a hand? Thank you for joining us today. 
If you made a decision for Christ or could use prayer for any area of your life, please let us know. All you have to do is text Greenbrier to 88000 and click on Connect Card. Be sure to join us next week. 